Okay. All right. So yeah, my, my dad actually um, he drove Bigfoot, the monster truck, for a long time. Which Bigfoot is the original monster truck, the very first monster truck um, ever created out of St. Louis, Missouri. And what? He drove for them for I don't know six, seven years. And uh, right out of high school, he retired. And I was like, well, there goes my chance of ever getting you know, my foot in the door. He's no longer in the industry. And that's, so, that's what uh, put you guys just, through school and all this stuff, his, his work in the monster truck business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the, the Bigfoot thing was a big step for him. That was like his, you know, moving to the major league, if you really know. He got his foot in the door by helping out at shows, just getting to know people. And he finally got the cold work with Bigfoot. But Fast forward, I'm graduating high school and he's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to retire. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my head down. I'll go to work, you know, maybe entertain. I thought I'd go to school. And that's when I moved to Texas. Okay. So I came here, I got my degree in electrical, got my journeyman electric license and uh, life just kind of opened some doors for me to get back in the industry. Once he got back in the industry, he decided he was going to come out of retirement, go drive for Bigfoot again. Hmm. So uh, I went on the road for, with him for, I don't know, maybe a month. We did a small tour. We went up to Canada, crushed some cars over there. We went to Temecula, California. We went even, we went to Vegas huh. um, and did a few just little like car crushes and displays out there. And uh, just through his connection to the industry, you go, Hey, I had a really like to hire you for first quarter tour, which for, what I mean by that is the first quarter of the year. You know, you go out and you do a, a tour, a set schedule, which is like open season for monster trucks. Huh. It's uh, January through March or April. So I decided to tour with him. And it, honestly, it didn't go anywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we didn't even do very good. We we were like next to last place on our tour. And, and I felt so bad. So, so what does I that really mean, like though? I let my driver down. Like what is what is as far as what? like uh being last place like i don't know anything about the industry so are you saying you're crushing cars and stuff are you graded by how hard you crush the car or what so that that's kind of separate so what i was talking about for is my dad was kind of doing some exhibition stuff like some you know just freelance doesn't really count for much but come first quarter that's like when the season starts more or less okay so you have racing you also have a freestyle competition they also have a newer competition within the last two or three years called a skills challenge, which is like the craziest trick you can do with a monster truck. So you have a whole first quarter tour based off of those big events. Like you mentioned earlier, going to the, the big stadium in Arlington, that's always a big show. And uh, when we finally made it to Arlington, that was the first show of that tour where we actually made a whole show and didn't break. <laughs> mm. So when that show was over, it was a huge sigh of relief. Like, Hey, we finally did it. But, like instead, we finished the season and, uh, you know, we were like last place or close to last place. And, you know, I felt bad, you know, the driver didn't, you know, get his spot on the tour like he was hoping to, but I must've done something right along the way. I pressed somebody on another team and I actually went to work straight from monster jam themselves based oh, wow. out of Tampa, Florida. So going to work for them that involved like monster jam, they're their own company. They're their own brand. Um, and then you have these independent drivers, you know, just like you and I could go and buy a truck if we wanted to right now or build a truck, we can go run for monster jam as an independent owner. Um, but I went straight, you know, straight working for the company for monster jam at wow. uh, Tampa, Florida. Well, that's a big deal. It was a very big deal for me personally. Yeah. Um, 
And, and I'll try to explain this best I can. I told you about Bigfoot. You no, know, they're yeah. the original monster truck. And then somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s, became a rivalry between a truck called Bigfoot and a truck called Grave Digger. Grave Digger is this black and green truck that always goes crazy at these big shows that you see on TV or at the Monster Jam show in Arlington. But there in the late 80s, early 90s, there started a rivalry between Bigfoot and Grave Digger. <laughs> so when I went to go work for Monster Jam and work it on Grave Digger, we kind of had a household rivalry in my oh, family no. for a little bit. Um, I'm one of the very select few who's got who's been able to turn wrenches on both the Bigfoot truck and the Grave Digger truck. But huh. I always that, stay, that's a pretty big deal, true. though, right? Yeah, it is a very big deal. But I always stay true to my blue colors. I always be a Bigfoot fan at heart. And truth be told, when I was working on Grave Digger, I wasn't given 110 percent because I was <laughs> just break. And uh, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with that truck for the rest of the night. So how did this whole business get even started? Was it just like somebody who had a big truck and then they like drove it off of something and crushed a bunch of cars? Like how, how did this become even a thing? So in the late seventies, based out of St. Louis, Missouri, a guy named Bob Chandler owned a four by four shop where, you know, he put lift kits on trucks and it was yeah. a really big thing at the time. And guys were just building their trucks bigger. So he had his own construction company, his four by four shop became, you know, became a hobby for him. And, you know, a guy started building their trucks bigger. He's like, well, I got I got one of them. I got to make it bigger. <laughs> so uh, he put a set of, I believe, 44-inch tires on his truck. It was like, at the time, that was like the biggest set of tires that you could find. And uh, he crushed a set of cars. And a promoter got a hold of him. was like, hey, would you do that, you know, in front of a sold-out crowd at this stadium for me? I think it'll go over really well. And at the time, that was when, like, tractor pulling was really popular okay. in stadium events. Like, tractor pulling would be like, you know, big rodeos or like monster truck shows now. And uh, he was like, uh, you know what? I don't think I want to because crushing cars just seems kind of violent to me. I don't think I want to do that to the truck. And he thought about it. His family talked him into it. And he was like, why would I not do that? So they put a set of 66 inch oh tires on the truck, which were made for agricultural use. <laughs> and uh, he went and crushed cars on a stadium floor. Um, up in Michigan, up at the old Pontiac Silver Dome, I believe. And uh, and it went over really well. The whole thing, it was a sold out show for this big tractor pool event. They were a sideshow act. And racing became after that because not too much longer, you know, everybody else had to build a monster yeah. truck. Everybody had to try and one up them. Um, the cool thing with Bigfoot is they continued to, you know, build their brand and better their trucks, better their suspension, better their engines. Better the way they fabricate kind of frames and chassis on their trucks. Yeah. Uh, so, and the you know, whole sport evolved from that. They began racing each other around the mid 90s. That's when the, the event called freestyle came into play, which is where you see those guys just, those guys just drive crazy on the track. You know, these guys are doing donuts, they're doing wheelies. And then nowadays you see these guys doing backflips uh, and jumping over other monster trucks, jumping entire lengths of a, a football field. You know, it seems like the times, uh, Sport has evolved a lot in the last 30, 40 years. Wow. So it, it really, it was really almost like a, just some guy, hey, you got a cool truck, come come uh, crash some stuff, see what happens. And then that's what sparked it. Fast forward a few years, now you have an entire industry around. I mean, it's, it's probably what a multi-billion dollar industry at this point, don't you think? At this point, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's still very expensive. I mean, it's no different dude, than starting any business or buying into a franchise. There's a lot of startup costs. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, a lot of overhead costs. Um, I, I won't give out exact numbers, but I'll just, I'll just say, you know, if uh, you thought building a truck was expensive, 
building a truck might be the cheapest part to owning a monster truck because really? you're constantly rebuilding it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, huh. So how much would a, a monster truck cost to build? Depending on what kind of race truck you're looking for. What I mean by that is like you and I could honestly build a truck on the cheap end. And I'm saying the cheap end for like less than a hundred thousand dollars and huh. be able to run with the big dogs. However, the truck's not going to hold up for a very long time. You, you want to really beef that truck up. Some of the better race trucks right now are going for a quarter of a million dollars. So what are the guys Mind doing? Blown. Yeah. What are the guys doing for like the, you said the high end trucks. So when you're looking at building a monster truck, what are the things you're looking for to make it succeed? So one of the things that has been tweaked with, I would say, I would say over the past 10 to 15 years, See, what would happen, Caleb, is a lot of these guys would jump their trucks, and the bigger they would go, these trucks would break, okay? So we got to figure out a way to make these trucks land better. So they would start tweaking with the shocks. Well, they would get the shocks the best dialed in they possibly could, but the rest of the truck would break in different parts. So when you build a, a monster truck frame or a monster truck chassis, it's not like the frame on your truck or your car. If you go look underneath your vehicle right now, you're going to see what is basically like a straight frame on a car. Mm-hmm. When you look at a monster truck chassis, you've got a whole roll cage involved, all kinds of round tubing. Um, you have what's called the cradle on a truck. All the cradle is, it's basically just the dead center of the truck and is the heartbeat of your truck's frame, essentially. That's going to be where your truck takes the most, um, I don't I don't know how to say this, that's the biggest breaking point of your truck. If that part of your truck cracks or breaks, essentially your whole truck would fall apart. So that part has to be beefed up. So these trucks now, when they originally started, they were weighing about, I don't know, 14, 15,000 pounds. Over the years, the guys wanted to build them lighter. So they would get them down to about 10,000 pounds. And now we're saying, okay, we want to jump these trucks further. We want to jump them higher. We actually have to build them a little bit heavier. We got to put more beef back into the chassis. So now the trucks are actually getting back to 12, 13, almost 14,000 pounds, but the suspension is changing it completely. I couldn't tell you right now um, how much travel you have in the shocks on your car right now. If you go outside and look, you, I, I'm just spitballing off the top of my head, six, seven inches maybe. Oh, yeah. um, these trucks <laughs> have anywhere between 26 inches to 30 inches of travel suspension. Um, on their shocks, on their monster trucks. So really the, the, a big thing for how, for longevity, which, so if you get longevity in these type of trucks, because they're a huge investment is going to be in the shocks because how, of how they land basically. Right. Absolutely. And I, I know you've seen this before, but you have a few different types of shocks you could throw on a monster truck. One is a coilover spring. I, I know, mm. you know what I'm talking yeah. about. If you, yeah. you saw one, um, they're on a lot of farm trucks, a lot of trucks that are lifted. A lot of guys use those over the years. They've been very useful. A lot of guys think they don't land as good, so they go with what's called nitrogen gas shocks. Um, a good combination of hydro, hydraulic oil and nitrogen gas. Um, you typically rebuild those. If you're running your truck hard, you actually rebuild your shocks. You don't necessarily like throw them away and buy a new set. You rebuild them as you go. You huh. change the, the internals of the shocks. I'm personally not very good at it. <laughs> I've <only> done it <laughs> once or twice. Um, I know what I'm looking for when the truck doesn't land good. I can stand on the on the side uh, on the sidelines and watch my truck. I know if my driver's out there and he lands and that truck bounces really hard, we've got a lot of rebound in the suspension. You don't want a lot of rebound. 
Um, rebound can cause a lot of nasty things. You guy can go out and make a jump. And if the truck rebounds and he bounces really hard, he can actually just take, make a simple jump, bounce, and roll right over mm. or you know, crash into the stands. If he goes out and he lands and there's absolutely no rebound in it and he doesn't go anywhere, um, the truck just kind of soaks up into the dirty fuel and he keeps moving. Chances are that truck could be what we call too soft. That could actually okay. be hurting your driver. So you kind of have that nice, happy medium of you got a little bit of balance, but not too much. So what's a pretty common injury? Like, cause I know there's gotta be some sort of uh, liability waiver. Everybody has to sign, right? Because it's a very dangerous, it can be a very dangerous sport, just like any type of thing. So what safety are the safety in driving has come a long way. Uh, I would say in the last 10 years, honestly, guys used to go and basically strap in just like a typical race seat you'd see in like a Mustang or an old race car. And they would wear these, these foam pads around their necks called a neck brace. Uh-huh. And these guys were going out and they would still be strapped in as tight as they can, man, and still hit their head on the steering wheel or hit their, ring their neck around and uh, get Jeez. knocked out. So when Dale Earnhardt passed away driving a NASCAR, Monster Truck took really, or got really motivated to change the way that those guys set up in their trucks. A lot of Monster Truck team owners do that anyways. And the way NASCAR implements their neck safety restraints now on their trucks, they, they uh, use what's called ISP racing seats, which basically there's almost like a cage all the way around them. So their neck can't really bounce back and forth like this. Nice. And they wear what's called a Hans device, which basically straps your head to your shoulders. And, and there's different forms of it. You know, a Hans device is just one type of them, but it keeps it to where, so if I land in a truck and my, you know, natural motion is to swing forward, you know, kind of like what I'm doing right here. I know people can't see us on here, but <laughs> my natural motion is to swing forward. It prevents that. It just it keeps you locked. It doesn't hurt you. Um, it just keeps your neck in one solid piece. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so the biggest injury is going to be neck and inju- neck injuries were the biggest neck, injuries. Neck and back injuries. Yeah. We've also kind of reinvented the way that guys get strapped into the seat. For example, you know, you, when you get strapped in your seatbelt in your personal car in your everyday vehicle, you have just that one strap that goes across. Well, guys are using what's called a five-point or a six-point mm-hmm. racing harnesses. You've got two straps that go over, two leg straps, and then one strap that up comes up through the crotch area, and they all buckle in at one solid piece. And the rule of thumb is you want to get that thing as tight as you can so, you honestly, you can barely breathe. Mm-hmm. You don't want any movement. You don't want any play when you're driving your truck. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so you kind of walk me through all, all of, you know, zero to 60 at this point, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> where are you at? Like, what's your role? You said you're on the sideline. Are you a mechanic? What, what, what's kind of the biggest thing that you do within this industry? So, I, like I said, I, I've always kind of been involved in the industry since I was a kid, since my dad drove a truck, hmm. but the last four years of my life, three, four years of my life, I've been full-time in it full-time wrench man, full-time crew guy. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of success since I've been in it full-time and just a short amount of time that I have been, I've been literally all over the world, dude. I've been to Brazil, Argentina. Mm-hmm. We got to bring monster trucks for the first time ever to South Africa mm-hmm. and went to three different places in South Africa, went to Durban, Johannesburg and Cape town. Wow. And throughout this whole period of time, I was a crew chief, which essentially just means, on our race team, which really only consists of two to three guys, I'm the head honcho for that truck. The driver is not supposed to work on that truck, just the crew chief and his crew guys. And uh, that was my role. So when you see me at a show and the show's going on, kind of look the way I do right now. I got a headset on, 
you know, nice little mouthpiece. I got my crew shirt on and I'm watching my truck when it goes out and it either breaks um, or it needs fueling. That's me and my team that takes care of that truck. Um, typically most teams only have three crew guys and they have two trucks per a race team. So you have two crew chiefs essentially, and you have one guy who bounces in between each trip. We call that person, the third guy. Um, the third guy is mainly responsible for like fueling up the truck or working on the body of the truck, which is made of fiberglass, not metal anymore. Hmm. And, uh, the crew chief is really responsible for all main fixes on the truck. So as a crew chief, you're responsible for engine swaps, transmission swaps, um, welding on the chassis. Um, if you have to change a whole body, you know, you're kind of in charge of that whole process. Um, and I'm sure you're wondering in your head right now, okay, how often is an engine swap? How often would you do that? Yeah. The good, um, if you have a good engine, you can get it around 23 to 25 hours on an engine. Anything less than that, I don't know. I don't want to say you probably didn't get your money's worth. And don't get me wrong, dude, I've seen some engines blow up at like five hours on, oh, wow. the, on the engine itself. But that's also because a lot of these engines that you get back from your engine builder, you're not necessarily always getting a new piece every time, right? So say this, this engine gives me 20 hours, you know, on the engine and it blows up. The guy takes it back. Oh, it's just a crank. I need to rebuild the crank. So get you a new crank and your truck or your engine only lasts 15 hours. Well, I got to change the cam. It's not necessarily an entire engine rebuild, mm. um, but I will say either way you go, whether it's a full rebuild or not, it's expensive. If you want to put a good engine in your truck or what we call a bullet, if you want to put a good bullet in your truck, um, it can range anywhere from 30 to 60 grand. Oh, wow. So I, I noticed you're, you said you're traveling a lot and like literally we get on the podcast tonight and you just, you literally walk in the hotel and called me. <laughs> I was like, dang, bro. I was like, you know, you could have chilled for a second. So you're, you're traveling a lot. Is that a part of what you're doing right now with the, uh, with your monsters truck stuff? Actually, no, it's not. I'm, I'm still, um, I got out of the industry full time a little over a year ago and COVID put an end to that. So, yeah. um, I guess it's been, what a year and a half now, almost a year and a half. Um, we were on our way to Detroit, Michigan. We were almost towards the end of our first quarter tour. It was around, you know, late March of last year. And, uh, we pulled an all nighter to get there, dude. It, it was insane. So our shop was based in Orlando, Florida. I was working for a team called team Tom Foolery. They had <laughs> two trucks at the time called the Jester monster truck and the Kraken monster truck. That's awesome. I was in charge of Jester. I was a crew chief on that truck and we were, loading the trucks up, putting them in the trailer so we can head to Detroit. And we were like, man, we're going to leave at a decent time. You know, this is going to be good. We get there. We have plenty of rest for the show this weekend. I go to fire up Jester. I hit the starter. Do, 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 do. Oh no. And I was like, okay, that's, that's no good. So I get out, I go look at the engine. I'm like, there's, there's nothing wrong. I, I thought maybe when I was working on it, I left a tool, you know, on top of the motor uh -huh. or something. So I got back in the truck to fire it up. It wouldn't even try to click over, dude. Just oh. nothing. Every time I hit the starter and uh, we had a, a bad engine. So instead of leaving on time, we pulled an all-nighter, changed the engine in that truck. Me, my teammate, and who is now my fiance, Harley, she helped in oh. and helped so us that's change how the you engine on truck. Yeah, okay. yeah. We, we met on the in the racing industry. That's awesome. And uh, she's, she's been crazy enough to stand by me for the last two years now. And, uh, and she loves it. Her dad was a racer, a long time racer. Um, he still drives every once in a while. He drove what is, uh, what's called the gas monkey monster truck, 
for a few years. Okay. And that was his, I guess the biggest name truck that he drove, but that was what he was notorious for was driving that truck. But, um, I, like you were saying though, so we go up to, uh, Detroit, you know, we finally get there. We've got an hour to get this truck ready for what we call practice, which is, you know, the driver goes out, gets a feel for the track and the shows the next day. We have an hour to get ready for this. Right. And they're like, Hey, we got to have a meeting real quick. They call everybody in, uh, just so I know the show's been canceled this week or this weekend. Uh, oh. y'all can go ahead and head back whenever. And just, oh. wow. That just took the win you know, of our sale, man. It, it was such a bummer. And that's how it ended for you pretty much. That's how it ended. That's how it ended, dude. So this, the last three to four years, my journey in becoming a crew chief wasn't necessarily to become a wrench man for the rest of my life. I was working my way into the driver's seat. So yeah. the team that I went to work for, Team Tom Fuller, he said, hey, you know, a part of you coming on the team is we're going to get you a seat this summer and we're building a third truck. It's going to be yours. And I'm like, well, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's that's a no brainer. You know, you can yeah. go for that. So when COVID hit, though, it really hurt us a lot. Um, me personally, because I was like, this was my, this was my shot. This was it. And COVID took that away. So wow. when we got back to Orlando from Detroit, we just noticed, okay, more shows kept getting canceled. More shows kept getting canceled. And then obviously I don't even have to tell you what happened after that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rest is history. I mean, COVID shut everything down. So that's when I decided to make the move back to Texas, do electric work. And now we've started something that's called the throttle out show. Um, yeah. I don't call that a podcast necessarily because we are a live stream video. Um, I mean, I guess you could call us a podcast, but I try not to put it in that category because we go live Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Yeah. And then we do these specialty videos for our YouTube channel. But what we do, man, is we break down what's going on in the industry. Now we're trying to go for being like a sports center, but for what's happening in the monster truck industry. Okay. Very cool. So there's a, there's a lot to that. So kind of walk me through how you keep, cause did the industry ever come back to life? Like where are you guys at with that? So the industry, um, let's see monster jam that last year, they got canceled in March of last year. They didn't put on another show. Monster jam did that, that league monster jam didn't put on another show till October of last year. And that was the only okay. show they had for the rest of the year. So in the meantime, there were little independent shows, little farm shows, you know, at county fairs and all that stuff that were yeah. popping up, but very limited. This year, it all took off in full effect again. Um, typically, Monster Jam likes to run six to seven separate tours at one time all throughout America. They only did one this year. It's kind of like a trial run. It was actually very successful. And I think next this time next year, you're going to see Monster Jam running three to four tours possibly. So it's a slow but steady process. Um, you're seeing a lot of the independents really pick up the slack from where monster jam hasn't been able to get involved. Cause think about it, bigger company, man, they are, they got to play by the rules. You know, the, the government's had full control of our country for the last couple of years and I'm not getting into politics. I'm just saying, I mean, let's you know, get into politics. Have, let's go. dude. No, no, I'm not getting into <laughs> politics. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that, you know, the bigger company you are, you've really, yeah. you know, been under the microscope. So they've had to be super careful in everything they do. These guys are behind the scenes changing engines out that are literally glowing red hot, wearing the masks and all that stuff. And uh, the industry's changed so much so, <laughs> since COVID. So you've definitely, I mean, everybody has their dreams. Everybody has their thing that they're, they're vying for. And you were about to get there. I mean, you were a month or two or however long away from literally the, the apex, like you fulfilling your dream. So walk me through kind of how that, uh, how you process that. 
I'll be honest with you. It wasn't easy. It wasn't nice. Um, there were nights, my, my first year as a crew guy, I was working for an independent team, trying to make the big time at the monster jam shows. And uh, when you transport these monster trucks, you put them on much smaller tires. You take the big monster truck tires off and put on these smaller tractor tires. And that's how you get them inside the enclosed trailer down the road from show to show. Um, you're pulling that with a semi and we'd have a lot of issues with our semi, like two o'clock in the morning, you're having blowouts on the semi and the trailer oh, in the geez. middle of a blizzard up in Toronto, Canada. And you're trying to change these semi tires on the side of the road. And there, there was a lot of heartache that was involved into just getting that opportunity, just getting that phone call of, Hey, I've got a seat for you. You know, whenever you're ready, um, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of being away from family. You know, um, I've not seen, uh, my family in a, I mean, you go, you go a long time without seeing your family is what I'm trying to say. Um, there was a long period of time without seeing or talking to my daughter. That wasn't even necessarily by choice. It was just whenever I was able to talk, she wasn't able to talk mm. type of thing. Um, it, it's not, uh, um, it's not quite the dream people think it is at times for that reason alone. You know, that that's the biggest downside to living that life. I mean, you think about it, it's no different than what, you know, professional athletes go through or the kind of life that rock stars lives. You're not at home a lot when you are, it's great, but that that's the biggest downside to being in an industry such as monster trucks. But you, I mean, you, you've really like got the rug cut from out from under you. Um, how did you get past? I mean, that was last year, about a year and a half ago ish. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you get past it? Well, whenever that hit, it really hurt, uh, my fiance and I, and then obviously, like you said, I mean, it was literally like I was months away, just months away from getting an opportunity to just hop in the truck and just test, you know, hit the test track, see what I thought about driving up. That's something I really wanted to pursue. So when COVID hit, we're cramped up in this little apartment in Orlando, Florida. You know, we were just scrounging for anything that we could do that was monster truck later. We would go to the shop and just clean the truck. You know, there was no work that could be done to it. We would just clean it. And it was around that time I just felt maybe that was just, it was time that uh, I really took a step back, looked at myself, looked at my faith, felt like it, that was God telling me, you know, maybe sometime down the road, but just not right now. You know, you know what it takes to get here, but not right now. So I just took that as a, you know, a sign to move back to Texas, get fully engaged into electrical again. And maybe at some point I could just build my own truck essentially, you know, have my own race team. I can write my own rules and be gone whenever I, I feel like being gone. You know, I could partner up with somebody and the weekends that I don't want to drive, you know, I could be at home with my family and my daughter and I can have somebody else driving my truck. That's also a very common thing for guys who work full time and put in a good 40 plus hours a week. So that's kind of the goal right now, because like you said, yeah, that was very hard to comprehend, but stuff happens, dude. Life happens. Well, and, yeah, no, but I, that's what like your your uh, mindset here is really cool. Like, I, I, that's again not a normal thing that people can really vibe with a lot of times because you were at that point where you're at that that huge fork in the road where you could have gotten in that seat, and yet you. I'm not trying to like definitely bring up the past, but <laughs> you have a very very cool uh, mindset behind how you got past it, and so I bring that well, up. I, and I, I was just gonna say I, I've had a lot of great people in my corner 
you know, I, I think my biggest supporter and all this has definitely been my fiance Harley. And, and we weren't engaged at the time. We had been together for a little over a year and uh, she's just like, whatever you want to do. She's like, let's, let's just do it. Let's go for it. You know, the, the world's literally the world is at a standstill right now. We can always come back to monster trucks. And, you know, at the time, like, like I said, I, I got a daughter, her name's Kinley. She just turned five a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so is my and son. I, and uh, at the time, I, I didn't have the best custody of my daughter. So, that, like I said, I just took it as a sign from God. Okay, it's time to uh, to get this straightened out. So, that's what I did when I, I got back to Texas. And like I said, my biggest support in all this has been uh, my fiance Harley, but not just her and my, and my family, but her entire family has been in my corner. And uh, a lot of people in the industry reached out to me every day. It's like, you know, making sure I was okay. If there's anything I can do for you, you know, we can help you. The monster truck community, Caleb, is a very, very small community, but we're all very close. Um, everybody knows everybody. Kind of like that small town, yeah. you know, uh, country feel almost. That, that's kind of how the, monster, the entire monster truck community is. You know, everybody knows everybody. So. I had a lot of good people in my corner. I've been I've been blessed to have some good people in my life. So the the small community thing is very interesting to me because that's not uh, really a normal thing for industries of this size. When you have a multi billion dollar industry like the monster truck monster truck industry, and I do, I definitely get how like you know different teams will know each other and different like you're saying you've gone to three different teams at this point, uh, if not more, and you get to know those people. Uh, but it's very interesting how how the small town community like in a multi-billion dollar industry is almost like an oxymoron <laughs> when you <laughs> well, think about uh, it so a really good friend of mine lives or used to live in ennis texas and i helped him build his house i put a roof on his house i wired up and uh he goes you know some I, I think there's a monster truck guy that lives around here somewhere and this was before i was like got back in the industry full time this is 2014 15. I think there's a guy who owns monster truck lives around here. I saw him. He had some big tires on his, on his trailer. He was hauling them. Tried to follow him. I got lost. I was like, okay, whatever. A couple of days later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to find this guy. So I was driving around my buddy's neighborhood, which his neighborhood is out in the middle of a cornfield in Dennis, Texas. And sure enough, I pull up. This guy's got two monster trucks on the trailer out in the wide open. So I just walked up. I, I literally knocked on his door and I was like, hey. Not necessarily trying to be a super fan here, but uh, I actually know who you are. And I introduced myself. He goes, Tweety, Austin. Oh, like, no. Are you, are, are you related to, to Rodney? And I was like, yeah, it's my dad. He was like, wow, small world. Oh, and and like I gosh. said, dude, it really is. Everybody knows everybody and they don't even know it. <laughs> Tweety says, oh, my gosh. So what is it like? I mean, you know, the, it's kind of funny because the church is supposed to be this, right? The church is supposed to be a small community that um, has each other's back. But that's not really always the case in a lot of churches, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, what's it like to have that type of community uh, fulfill that need of of like acceptance and family whenever many times people can't get it from their church? I'll give you a, a small example. Whenever my first day at Monster Jam back in 2018, um, I started the same day another gentleman whose name was Austin started. And uh, he's my age. And we just hit it off, you know, good buddies and, and, you know, similar stories. The last one, he knew who my dad was and, uh, we just, you know, got to talking, turned out he didn't live too far from where I was living at the time. We started carpooling. So, you know, we got to know each other very well over the course of a year's time. And then after COVID hit, you know, we obviously we stayed in touch. I was in his wedding 
And, um, you know, after COVID hit and we we hadn't seen each other for a while, we got the chit chat back and forth. And um, now we're hosting what we call the throttle out show. And so we're we're always inviting people, you know, who's involved in the industry, whether you're, you know, a wrench man or a wrench woman, you're a driver, (laughs) you're just a super fan of the sport. We'd love for you to come on the show, share your experiences, share where you see the industry is going. Um, it's like I said, it's just as simple as like almost every time there's somebody who watches monster trucks, who watch monster trucks knows what it is. And, you know, as like you said, though, it's, it's designed to be almost the way the church should be where everybody has everybody, you know, everybody else's back. And, uh, when I go places and they're like, Oh, you're, you're Rodney's boy or, or, Hey, you know, this guy, you know, so-and-so yeah, you're welcome in my house, you know, and we're able you know, we go out and we eat. Um, there's been a lot of shows, man. Or like, I know, like I'll be in, like I'm in San Antonio this weekend and uh, I text one of my buddies who drives one of the big time premier monster trucks, which, which is known as the monster energy monster truck. Um, one of my very best friends drives that truck just happened to be a coincidence. And he was down here at the same time that I was, you know, and we just we got together with the, the river walk I introduced to my coworker and, uh, you know, had a good dinner, caught up. And, um, it's just like everywhere. There's been a lot of shows that I've gone to. I've never paid to get in because I, I literally know everybody who's back there. You know, it's like a family reunion every time we see each other. Well, that's, dude, that's so cool. Cause that, like, what you have right there with the monster truck world is what everybody's looking for. You know, everybody's looking for that, like, uh, that community, that family. And, and we, some people turn to some crazy things. Some people can never find it and commit suicide. I mean, like it's getting real here, but yeah. that's exactly what uh, our world is having an issue with right now, especially whenever COVID hit, you know, we now talk about COVID as pre COVID and post COVID. Like it's an era. It's a different era today. Um, when we talk about that, it, it's only brought people closer into their homes and more secluded. So it's like, now you have to fight to even just have a conversation with people, you know? Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, like, you know, obviously, you know, when COVID hit, you know, that like it just pulled the rug out from under me. And I know I'm not the only person who dealt with similar instances. You know, how many people who started businesses took that loan from the bank, you know, trying to punch that ticket, trying to live their dream. And that was yanked out from under them. Fortunately enough, I had the monster truck community to back me up. You know, we all checked upon each other, make sure we were doing all right. And, um, always going to be forever grateful for that. So where do you see the industry going? Uh, you're obviously up to date with, with what's going on. Where do you, where do you think that this place that a uh, monster truck industry is going to be heading? Well, when the industry cut out due to COVID, it was actually like, I, I honestly want to say like an all time high. Um, there were new tours popping up. Monster jam was running more tours than they ever had before. Like I said, six or seven, um, different tours a weekend, meaning there could be three stadium shows, seven stadium shows, you know, one in Toronto, one in San Antonio, the other one in Anaheim, California, and there'd be other arena shows, you know, in, in Milwaukee, Chicago, elsewhere, you know, it was bigger than it had ever been before. Um, and then the independent shows, guys were building brand new trucks. Uh, they were getting sponsorships uh, left and right. It was at an all time high. So now you're kind of seeing the industry, you know, we got to build back, you know, and you always want to say, we want to build back better than ever. So I see it getting back to that point, man. I I see it being maybe three or four years for it's back to that point. But even then, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, monster jams, not exactly booming right now. They're trying Mm -hmm. to get there, but 
the independent promoters have really picked up, you know, whereas monster gym used to have six or seven shows in a weekend. Well, now there's like 10 or 12, you know, independent tours, huh. um, throughout, throughout the weekend. So, I mean, they're all really good quality shows. It's, you know, I, I use the term, you know, small fair shows or County fairs or whatever, but they're, they're still great shows to go and be yeah. a part of. It's still loud, still crushing things, catching some air. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I definitely see more independence stepping up and uh, fulfilling the role that, that Monster Jam um, isn't able to fulfill right now. It kind of sounds similar to uh, a lot of like businesses that started up during the pandemic. Like how I think there was two podcasts and two businesses or two podcasts a day that were started every day during the pandemic might yeah. be one of them. Uh, but it really opened up the entrepreneur side of a lot of people. And we're seeing that a lot with people working from home and there's, there's jobs out the wazoo right now that are whether independent contractor or, you know, hiring bonuses, it's all, it's really changed the framework, the landscape, of the pandemic, uh, the pandemic has changed the landscape of how we do things forever and including monster jam. And it's really yeah. interesting to watch, like not going to lie. That's why I kind of wanted to tap into what you're, your uh, insights were into the industry because everything is different. Like no matter what we do or say post COVID is a completely different world, you know? It has been, but I mean, like you said, I got a lot of different insights. I got a lot of, um, I, I get a, a lot of the inside scoop from the, these guys that are still driving our guys that are still wrenching on trucks. Tell me, Hey, this is what's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, you can throw this new show this week you want. We've had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, I was at the show. I got video footage for you to discuss. So as I was mentioning, we try to be like a sports center, you know, ESPN yeah. type for monster trucks. So we do that. But our whole thing with the, with the show, whether you want to call it a podcast or a talk show, it really wasn't about, you know, becoming the next best thing or the biggest, you know, best talk show. It was more of just our way of just being plugged into the industry. You know, like you said, people are starting up their own businesses, you know, more and more people start from their businesses um, and talk shows and podcasts. It's really our way of just trying to stay in touch with the industry so we don't fall away from yeah. it. And, you know, we're going to have some hats and t-shirts up for sale associated with our show to kind of fund us getting back into the industry and yeah. possibly building our own truck at some point, which, you know, we're going to be self-sponsored for a long time. You know, mm. a lot of people write out our own, you know, bank accounts, but <laughs> the goal in all of it is still spread a good message, um, you know, have good fun, um, you know, and obviously live our dreams. Yeah. What's the you most know, interesting the thing that you've experienced in the industry or that even as of late, uh, as you're having your ear to the ground, so to speak, during in your show, what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've come across? <laughs> well, you're going to open up a whole can of worms. Oh, Are you looking please. for a crazy story or? <laughs> Bro, I don't know. Just tell me something that I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Um, I, like I said, I don't even know where to start. The most <laughs> interesting thing that, that I find. Um, I guess it would just be the, the evolution of the trucks. You know, just recently we were talking about a guy on our show by the name of Marty Garza. Marty Garza um, owned and operated a truck called Overkill. Um, I believe since the late 80s, early 90s, Marty, don't get offended if I mess that up. But, <laughs> um, but he's been one of these guys that just kind of taps into monster trucks. He can watch a truck land or a truck do a flip or whatever. He's like, okay, if I own that truck, I would change this about it. And he wrote an entire book based on the evolution of monster trucks, how far they've come. 
you know, how we've changed the way the axles work on trucks. We've changed, you know, a lot of these guys can go to a tractor right now, man, and pull the axles off that truck and use it on their, or off their tractor, use it on their monster truck. Hmm. Um, I think it's very interesting how guys can look at a piece like that, you know, look at a truck and look at the way it lands and say, no, that you got to change this. You got to take another uh, turn out of the shock. You got to change the fluid level in the shock. Um, you know, a lot of theories that guys have something that I kind of tapped into tapped into a couple of years ago when I was working for the monster energy team, you know, guys were religious on changing the transmission fluid in the trucks after every show, you got to change. It's got to have good, clean fluid. And the more I did my research tapped into, you know, the people that I, that I've known in the industry for a while, they would say, wait till that transmission goes bad. You're not going through as much fluid. You know, you can save up for a new transmit, you know, the amount of money you're pouring into, Mm. you know, changing the fluid, you can have a brand new transmission by the time, you know, so I kind of tapped in that, like that made sense. So a lot of guys were changing their fluid and their transmissions weekly. They were losing the transmission in the truck every third or fourth show. And we went an entire first quarter season and had one transmission change. And that was literally the last show of the season. Oh, wow. So I, I find the evolution of the sport very interesting. Like I said, guys are running 26 to 30 inches of shock travel on their trucks. Now the trucks are being built heavier. Um, you can only have a certain up to a certain size engine in a monster truck for safety reasons, but guys are finding ways to tune their trucks to still get that, that bigger horsepower huh. out of the truck. So and there's a pretty intense place, science in there. There is, yeah, yeah. stuff that's way above my pay grade and way above my knowledge. You know, I didn't go to school for anything monster truck related. There's a lot of guys that do go to high performance. No, you're just a prodigy, classes. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just thrown to the wolves. <laughs> Man. But like I would say, it's definitely got to be the, the, the evolution of the trucks. They, they've come such a long way. And I'm always looking to be, you know, what's going to be next. You know, one of the big things in the last few years was just changing the design of the chassis or the frame on the truck. And the trucks are landing great now. The trucks aren't breaking as much. So we're going, well, what's going to be next? Who's going to make the next step? Are guys going to start placing their engine in the truck lower or higher? Are they going to change it completely? You know, last few years, you may have even seen this on TV, but uh, a group called the Diesel Brothers got Mm -hmm. involved with monster trucks and they put a diesel engine in a truck, which wasn't the first time it's been done, but they did it extremely well you know they ran on the monster jam tours and competed with some of the best and, and placed you know really high on the tour i'm kind of ready for uh, a new industry called monster planes that would be fun i mean think about monster it monster planes. planes you just like run into each other and parachute out <laughs> that'd be freaking awesome bro i don't know like when you go to monster truck rallies the 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 people who are going there they're wanting something crazy to happen right you know it's terrible yeah. but people want to see an injury so i'm just saying let's just bring the injuries to the people, create monster planes and see what happens. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, aside from all the monster truck stuff, bro. Um, do you have anything you do outside of work and monster truck? That's kind of like a niche of yours or a passion of yours. This, this talk show has really consumed a lot of our free time. You know, mm-hmm. as you and I were talking before the show, the way to make, you know, the audio sound better, the video sound better. It takes up a lot of our free time. If I'm not spending time working on the show, my fiance and I are daydreaming about being at Disney. <laughs> she she got when we lived in in Orlando. Um, she she you know I caught the bug from her essentially. She got really? me into the theme parks I'd never been before. When we were on tour with Monster Jam, 
we were in Anaheim, California, and our boss took us to Disneyland. I've always dreamed, you know, since I was a little boy of going to Disney World or Disneyland. And we went there, dude, it was pouring down rain the entire day. And I did not give a care. I was so <laughs> excited to be there. Dude, I've never been. Um, I got to go. It, it was so overwhelmingly awesome. Like I said, the rain didn't bother. It was even cold. And I just, I didn't care. I what about, is it, was it literally it. just magic? It's, I don't know. Explain <laughs> it, dude. <laughs> it's literally magic. I, I even bought a hat with the Mickey ears. Oh, on yeah. dude. Looking like a goofball. And so when we got back to Orlando, I was like, yeah, we, we got to be doing this. You know, so we're right next to Disney World, or we were at the time. So we, we went to Disney World as often as we could. Um, and then we had season passes to Universal Studios that our bosses paid for. So it's like a thank you, you know, for working so hard for us. So we went to Universal as often as we could. But then, like I said, and aside from that, daydreaming of being there now, because obviously <laughs> we're not there anymore, but uh, spend as much time as I can with my daughter. And um, I, I'd like to say that I play guitar and work out, but anymore, I do that about <laughs> twice a year, both of those. <laughs> Dude, it sounds like me, man. Oh, I've got, I've literally got like, five guitars hanging in my my living room right now and i haven't picked up one of those things in weeks i'm like i don't know what the heck is wrong with me. i literally hung them up so that i could play with them but oh bro i gotta have a wedding you know my sister elise is getting married uh two days i think two or three days her she's all getting married to levi okay and so i'm uh i'm uh playing for their wedding so i, I guess i should practice <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad honestly bro. you gotta knock the rust off well man you got anything else you want to say any topic you want to jump um, into that uh, we could just start diving deep? <laughs> You're cutting out real uh, better I now, mean, but uh, we we got the, like I said, our our show is called the Throttle Out Show. Well, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, we go live Sundays and Wednesdays at seven thirty Central Time. We typically don't have a gig, but like I said, we we know everybody in the industry, and. Um, you know, one of these days, you know, the long-term goal in all this is to uh, do that full-time. Yeah, that's everybody's goal is to do their podcast full-time. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, like I said, we're going to start selling some t-shirts and some hats soon. Um, I'm, and in the meantime, I'm learning how to do everything in-house, how to, you know, mm -hmm. screen print shirts, how to, you know, make hats, make patches for hats. And, you know, what's the best deal, you know, cost versus quality. I mean, yeah. that's a subject in and of itself we can talk about. Um you know, just trying to be a one-stop shop for everything. And, uh, in this world, you know, we're, you know, right now you can hop on the you know, your phone and your iPad and, and shop for whatever have at your doorstep in, you know, two days. But, you know, I mean, that was kind of before COVID and now everything's on back order. So I'm trying to make the best oh. and the cheapest thing I can find at Walmart or Best Buy Dang. and, you know, make that fly. You know, Dude, you, that for the show, you and I were trying to figure out how to get the audio right on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like COVID has really changed again, but going back to COVID, like it was like the yeah. greatest wealth transfer in the history of man. Cause I think yeah. in COVID, I think uh, the, the typical class, the middle class, like us went down like 93 billion or something. That the, and then the billionaires gained another hundred billion. And I was like, what the heck? So you literally have this huge, huge chain, but it's exactly what you're saying. How, you know, everybody switched to online shopping and trying to do everything from home. Yeah. And now there's like, I think, 11 million Amazon third-party sellers now. So a lot of people are, are reverting to third-party income through Amazon to get their businesses going. And it's just, again, it's very interesting, all of it. I used to be so against that stuff. I used to be all about shop local, buy yeah. local. And uh, anymore, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see why everybody's changed to doing stuff like this. I mean, it's so easy. 
you know, you, you can find everything you're looking for, the same quality, same brand for cheaper, and you can get it faster. And it just it makes sense. Then now with, you know, going back to COVID, you know, nobody wants to go out and shop or you, know, you got to wear a mask. Mm. You just do everything, you know, right from your living room. <laughs> well, it's weird. Like you just brought that up because I was like that too. I was wanting to shop local. I think a lot of people were like that, where there are certain neighborhoods that only would accept local products where the entire city was only shopping local and it really helped the economy, kept the small businesses up. And we, we do know that the small business was the backbone of the economy, but COVID happened, which was a man-made virus. And now you have uh, the entirety of, <laughs> of all small businesses just shot down, go. you know? Real talk right here. I mean, come on, bro. Like that's an actual fact now. <laughs> like the whole like man-made virus. Is, oh, you're right. It's weird though, man. But like you, that shopping local, because I was like that, like I was just saying, it is no longer a thing because COVID destroyed all small businesses. <laughs> so it's like, yes, it's more convenient. And I like the Amazon selling and stuff, but it's the only way now. It's very, very interesting to me. I don't know. It's helped a lot of businesses like like art, like yours and mine. I mean, just getting enough started. I think I bought every single thing that I use for our studio off of Amazon. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, I've spent hundreds and the kind of, of dollars cool thing is A lot of these big, you know, these these YouTube guys that, that I follow and I learn more about quality and stuff, um, they'll have links posted on their YouTube channel. Like, hey, you know, go to my the link, you know, in the description of this video and, you know, buy this, you know, and, and it's, it throws a bone my way. You know, they get credit for it you know, yeah. or they get a dollar for it or whatever, you know, however it works. And it's like, okay, I am supporting somebody whenever I do that. You know, I might yep. still be supporting Amazon, but you know, I'm helping it's this the affiliate guy marketing. process. It's that uh, I've actually looked pretty strongly into like third-party affiliate marketing because you can go to like, I think it's clickbank.com or something and and you can get a link for all these different products and even put it in the show description. And if people would you know buy that certain product, then I would get a cut from my show as well. And there's just, there's a lot of different options now and I, very, I find it very interesting. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up here, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to put your link and stuff in, in the link description. That way people can actually check your, your live shows out and hopefully get your merch out soon. Cause as soon as it's out, man, I'm, I like that hat. I want to buy that hat. So <laughs> let me know. Thanks for having me on. No, I, I was really surprised to see you pop up. In the inbox. I haven't seen you in a yeah. while. I haven't talked to you in a long time and, uh, the podcast thing, it's going good for everybody, but your stuff's clean, man. I love it. Man, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some more collaboration down the line. <laughs> yes, sir. You bet. Bye, bro. Have a good one. Peace out. Bye.